What's up, guys? I'm here feeling like shit with John, who's also feeling like shit, which means that it is Patreon time, baby. Actually, just recording time in general. <laughs> yeah. In general. John and I are cursed, <laughs> where whenever we want to record something together, we both have to feel awful. I honestly should be able to just plan around it because last night I like couldn't get to bed. And like today was the day I had to get up to do something. This, you know, yeah. it was like it all just made sense that we were going to record today. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> as soon as things start feeling bad, it's like, <laughs> okay, I guess that means we're going to be recording an episode. <laughs> so it's like how my left knee gets when it's about to rain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So. This is a continuation in our Christopher Lash series on the true and only heaven. This chapter was really interesting in light of some recent things that have happened online and in some things that I've been thinking about in general. So this chapter, it's the shortest chapter in the book, is about syndicalism, which comes out of people like Proudhon and George Sorrell, who he spends a lot of time talking about in here, that was sort of in tandem with what was happening on the left with people like Marx, right? The debate between Marx and guys like Proudhon is that Proudhon comes out of Rousseau and he's too much of a utopian and that he's too much of an idealist. Proudhon writes a book called The Poverty of Philosophy. Marx and I believe Engels respond with The Poverty of Philosophy. And that is a running tension between movements of the left. I mean, probably stretching back before then, but definitely exemplified then. And Lash is, of course, interested in this because the syndicalists are responding to what he sees as gaps in the Fabian and Marxist game of progress and centralization. Yeah, it makes a different kind of sense after, like in the context of this book, than just like reading the Wikipedia article about syndicalism or something. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. now you're like, oh, I almost found the chapter kind of boring because nothing new happened. Because yeah. I already saw all of these intellectual currents play out in earlier American intellectual history to essentially their fullest extent thus far. And all mm -hmm. that really happened in this chapter was attempts to like reconcile them, and despite the fact that it's perhaps not possible. At least yeah. that's kind of where people seem to be ending up in this chapter is sort of like, you know, the intellectual paint is now drying, so to speak. It's been put on yeah. the wall, which yeah. was interesting. And I think what's important here is that we're getting this snapshot of the left pre- Red October. And generally, it's the Anglosphere left. Of course, the French get brought into it, and in some cases, the Italians, but not to the fullest extent. It is still Anglosphere in focus. But it is very easy to take a look at what's happening in the early 20th century left and have that totally colored by the Leninist, vic the Bolshevik victory over the Russian state and mm. becoming the Soviet Republic. As we see in this chapter, that ends up being a defining moment about how people are going to think about their relationship to the state on the left 
and what they think is possible. So Sorrel has similar concerns to people like Emerson, which we spent time with, to people like William James, who we spent time with at the beginning of this chapter and the end of the last, and a few others where he is, I would even go so far as to say as uh, perhaps some, some progeny later will be people like Marcuse with one dimensional man. But he's very concerned about the abrogation of ruggedness, individualism, life beyond instrumentality, all of the standard critiques of progress that we've seen throughout this book, and I think are starting to see more of today. His misgivings about socialists is that he thinks that they are condescending urbanites who don't respect and who simply, as Lacan told the protesters of 68, they merely want a new master rather than to immediately give the means over to workers for them to do what they will with it. He also has some very strange ideas that seem in vibe with Carlyle about a type of heroism, a type of militancy that could restore the virtues that are currently being undermined by industrialization and centralization. Does that sound like a fair summary of this guy's thought? Yeah, it, it, at least in brief. I like the way in which he seemed to make everyone kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. He had something for everyone to be kind of like disgruntled about because he, there is the whole thing about giving over workers like agency, like direct agency mm. in his kind of um, thing. But I, one of the lines that I like stuck out to me was when Lash says, that Sorrel had no illusions about what would happen if an undisciplined class of workers suddenly took power and tried to impose its slave morality on the state, which I think is perhaps how he would characterize maybe like early, like Marx or Bolshevism type mm -hmm. things of like, you know, there's like a bit of Nietzsche in there, I guess, yeah. which oh, is what was sure. interesting about him is there is an idea that like proletarians as they are like, that would be, you know, you put them in charge, you're just going to get bureaucrats again because they have been proletarianized, which is such, you know, a big theme of this book is like, mm -hmm. like what kind of subjectivities are being created and what can they do? And I think something that Lash seems to kind of want to show again and again is like there are people who have questioned the idea that like, I think Sorrel says somewhere else where, yeah, there's a, something else later on where he talks about how people putting their faith in the state, they forgot that the state cannot be better than the citizens, mm -hmm. and that unless the citizens are capable of controlling the government, the extension of the powers of the state may merely be a transference of authority from the capitalist to the bureaucrat. Like, that was one of the interesting things about him, because it was one of the things that I always thought was so weird about the way that we have inherited, like, political like maybe armchair political philosophizing is just like if we made the system better then it would work mm -hmm. but i think that one of the interesting critiques here is like it's not really like a constitutional thing it's like you could have any constitution and then put shitty people into it and then like what are you going to get yeah that's also he recently passed but one of the patriarchs of the claremont institute his last name was quota villa yeah, you know, he just basically said he was like, it's axiomatically true that a democracy is a reflection of the demos. 
Yeah. So if you have a shitty demos, you have a shitty democracy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he was, I think, much more patrician than to put it quite like I did there. <laughs> but the major, the main thrust is there. And I think right. that that's something that makes especially people on the left very, very uncomfortable, except for the worst, least sympathetic moralizers out there. Right. I think that you could put Sorrel in a camp with like William Morris and some other people who it seems like their journey into socialism started from kind of a profound disgust with the conditions of like then modern life, Mm -hmm. just as much as it did some kind of feelings about equality of material goods, which seemed to like not even be a main concern in their writing so much as like an attempt to like, you know, it's one of the themes of this book, I guess, is how do we get back to like a life worth living, at least in their conception, where one has mm-hmm. to get to that either forwards or backwards, which is, I think, why kind of Carlisle resonates so much as well, is mm-hmm. there is this idea that like, you know, it's interesting to go back to a time when socialism could have been seen as something that would fit that bill, 